Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Last hours of October, last act of the WTA season underway as we welcome you to TC Live, presented by SAP, coverage of the WTA finals in Fort Worth. Ten months of women's tennis capped by this, the top eight players in the world battling for one last hunk of silver. Lots to get to on our Monday TC Live, a spooky one at that. The Ritchie Group played their first matches. We'll show you how a couple of newcomers to the finals did today. Meanwhile, the men kicking off their final regular season event at Paris-Bercy. Taylor Fritz, Francis Tiafo, the top two ranked Americans, both in action today. Taylor still alive for the ATP finals. And we will wax nostalgic over Halloween's past with our panel of experts. And we'll fill our candy bags and let the sugar high wash over us all as we say howdy and happy Halloween. And welcome to TC Live on this Monday night. So glad you're with us alongside a couple of Hall of Famers. Tracy Austin here in the studio. Andy Roddick at an undisclosed location. Uh, I'm Brett Haber. Um, so anyway, in a sport, uh, and I'm talking to two players who have been in the year-end championships, women and men, in, in a sport that's so much defined by what you do at the majors, Andy, where did you rank the tour championships on your list of things that you coveted? Yeah, I mean, it was it was basically a, a quick way to analyze if you had had a, a great year or not. Um, you know, not everyone gets invited. You earn your way in. There's no such thing as a wild card or uh, as other sports would call it, a special exemption. So um, it, it is a nice kind of show that when you get uh, the, the last eight in a room and for an event, uh, there's a huge show of respect. Uh, personally, my mind might have been drifting to Australia uh, already uh, a, a little bit, um, but also it's always fun when kind of the year end ranking is up for grabs. Uh, you know, people are trying to make their move. They're thinking about seedings for the next year. So uh, a lot more goes into it than just kind of thinking about uh, an event. But uh, it certainly feels like a, a bit of a celebration uh, on the way out of the year. Yeah, it definitely means that you've had a successful year being the top eight. It Oftentimes you're a little fatigued mentally and physically, mm -hmm. so you have to make that last push. And funny enough, when I played, it, it was almost bigger than Australia in, in some ways because not everybody played Australia, but everybody would play the top eight would play the tour championship. So um, it would be like today being like the fifth most important tournament. So I think it's uh, it's some some of these players are coming in on the men's side right now in Paris are trying to make that last push to try to qualify. And that's so important. Prestige, the prize money, it can set you up be a springboard for 2023 as well. By the way, Andy, did you catch that, that one of the groups is named the Tracy Austin? <laughs> Have you ever had a group at the ATP finals named after you? Uh uh, no, Brett, because I haven't won that tournament, unlike the person sitting next to you in the studio there in Santa Monica. 
Well, you were great. I, I, I guess you may have that one omission on your resume. We won't dwell on that as we head to the highlights. This was the Nancy Ritchie group today, named after the Hall of Famer, original nine member. We start with Maria Sakari, semifinalist last year against the world number three, Jessica Padula. Yeah, this was an interesting matchup because Six, they played four, only seven. eight days ago in the finals of Guadalajara, and it was Jessica Pagula who won that, her first Masters 1000. Yeah, I think the software to that match was a little fatigued. It was an emotional week for her qualifying, but she came out today full of energy, very excited that she got that spot. She was very aggressive with her forehand, alert with her footwork. Pagula, I would say, didn't play her best tournament. It's interesting because she's making her debut at 28, kind of a late bloomer, but she has had a fantastic year of Pagula. She actually came into this matchup today having beaten Sakari two out of three times that they had played this year. That was actually the first top 10 win for Sakari since all the way back in March at Indian Wells. She spoke with Stephen Chanda after. Jessica Pagula saved match points at 6-5. What did you do to settle yourself down and make the adjustments to get over the finish line? I just, you know, pushed myself and just forced myself to be very aggressive because um, on that specific court, if you just push the ball, you know, you're passive, then it does nothing. You know, the opponent will have an easy shot and against these players, they're going to just hit winners. So I just forced myself to be aggressive and trust my game, trust my serve. And and run, you know, I think I, I need a pedicure after this match. <laughs> if her toe, listen, we know tennis players' feet are, are not great to begin with, but she's probably right. Here's the late match, Jabur and Sabalenka. Yeah, Jabur really played so well in the opening set. Everything she touched was turning to gold. She actually broke Sabalenka in the opening game and then finished out the set, but really proud of Sabalenka because she had 13 unforced airs, a bit messy in that opening set, but she cleaned it up in the second set. Went ahead 3-love, 4-1, but eventually it was Jabur who found that extra gear to make it tighter. Played really clean here, showing great touch and the combination of power, good feel, and really pumped herself up in that tie break. Actually, Anshabur was a 5-3 serving, two points away, double faulted, so they send it to a third. And by the way, talking about double faults, Savalinka did a really good job today of keeping those under control because they have plagued her all year. Sabalenka has had a really kind of, I'd say, uneven year. It's been a difficult year. Hasn't won a title, whereas last year she was number two and so consistent. You can see what this match meant to her. For a long time, she stayed in that position because she had to dig her heels in to get the win tonight. Sabalenka actually had fewer unforced errors in this match than Ams Jabur had. I don't think I would have ever predicted that between those two players. You mentioned the double faults. Andy, they've been epidemic with Sabalenka this year and when she hit three of them in the first game of the match I think we all thought uh, this is going to be one of those nights 25 26 double faults she only hit three more the whole rest of the night you've watched enough of her matches is it technical with her serve or is it mental with her serve uh, I'd say it's more mental because it's it's I don't think her service motion has changed but yet the double faults have come in uh, much more uh, this year than than in years past. But I think she actually did a nice job of pitching a good ball game in the third set. Uh, she didn't really top 100 on many serves, and we all know that she has 115, 120 consistently in that arm. Uh, it, it was a very intentional tactic to kind of move the ball wide, hit the big kicks up high on Jabor. And I, I think Tracy uh, 
hit it on the head uh, during the telecast. Onu Jabor hasn't played much yeah. uh, since the U.S. Open. Just two matches uh, in Tunisia. I think that showed where Sabalenka has seemingly lost a lot of these close matches this year, and Jabor has won them. She was able to flip the script and made a couple of really nice tactical adjustments to uh, to win that third set. Yeah, I thought it was really important to see Sabalenka, who was struggles with her serve, but you know. One way to not feel pressure on that second serve is to get a lot more first serves in. And so she put more kick on that first serve. She gave herself more margin. And with that kick, it can be really annoying, especially if you're five foot six. I'm not even five foot six, but that's what Anna Jabur is, <laughs> to get those kickers right up here. And Jabur struggled with that. And then Sabalenka could get to work. And she used the margin on her ground strokes as well. She wasn't trying to look for finishing the points off on the second or the third shot. She was willing to hit her own slices and just kind of extend points. And I thought Jabur missed a few more forehands than we normally do, and that's probably because she was a little rusty, hasn't played so many matches. Yeah, you said it, just the two matches in Monastir in Tunisia since the U.S. Open. That clearly wasn't enough. So that's the Richie group day one. We'll look ahead to the Tracy group a little bit later, but let's spin the globe over to Paris, eighth and final Masters 1000 of the year at Bercy, Taylor Fritz taking on Alejandro Davidovich Fokina, Andy. Yeah, and Davidovich Fokina has played great this year on all, on all types of different surfaces. Uh, you see Fritz, the way he's moving, he is motivated. He wants that last spot into Turin. This looks like a decent surface for him, one that he should be able to close the rallies on. Nice job coming back from a breakdown in that first set, but you see Davidovich Fokina playing that drop shot again. Uh, Taylor Fritz may be getting away with that one a little bit. But you see how pumped he is. He is into this, wants to qualify for Turin. Uh, the court, I, I think, favors Fritz in these rallies. Anytime he's going to be able to get two feet under him, he hits it as hard as anyone from the set position. Uh, great, like, kind of reaching outside the court to be able to redirect that uh, up the line. You see, Davidovich Fokina was nowhere near it. I don't think any of us would have been right there. But Taylor looks great. He has made winning a habit this year. And uh, on through and Bercy. Five breaks have served just 15 unforced errors for Taylor Fritz. That is clean living. So that was the number one American. Here's the number two American, Francis Tiafo, starting his run against the qualifier, Lorenzo Sonego, Andy. Yeah, and I love Francis uh, when he has a court that gives him a little bit of grease to work with, right? He can get that flat back in right here. It goes through the court. You can't really penetrate him on that side. He's able to hit those little cuts, come in. The transition game has got a lot better. Uh, he was serving bigger at the U.S. Open, but I like this surface for him. He struggled a little bit on the slower surfaces, likes a little bit quicker. This uh, this looks very quick, uh, especially after the second court there uh, in Bercy. I think it's normally an ice skating rink, and I don't think it plays that much different during the tournament. But you see that the, the confidence that Francis has, has built throughout this year, serving much bigger like we touched on. And again... Winning every single week, taking pride and not taking those first and second round uh, matches. And, and, and Francis just building on what he started at the U.S. Open. Yeah, that's a nice hockey stop from Francis to a 6-4, 6-4 win <laughs> over Sonego. He only lost nine points on serve today. That's first and second combined. You've watched him. We've all watched him since he came out of College Park as a teenager. What, to your eye, has clicked for Francis this summer? Because clearly something has. I just think his professionalism that he's shown more throughout the year, his ability to play point by point, not have some of those lapses, 
has really started to kick in, and then that builds on itself. And he's gotten to win more matches, and then he gets more confidence. Beating Nadal at the U.S. Open doesn't hurt, following it up by beating Rublev. That might have been a match where Francis would have had a letdown before, but instead he kind of put the pedal to the metal, beats Rublev, and then takes Alcaraz to five sets. I just think now he's thinking, okay, before I was maybe a little satisfied, wasn't as professional as I could have been, but now he, he's gotten a taste of it, getting to the semis of the U.S. Open, and those match, those late-night matches at the U.S. Open, he wants more, and I think he wants his first major. I love it. Yeah, and, and I think credit to Wayne Ferreira because they've been together a couple of years now. And I think Wayne last year was tough to get Francis to fully buy in to the process, right? Every day you got to treat it like a job. You got to do the little things well, eating well, getting sleep, being on time. All of these little things build up. And now Francis has made a habit of it. And a uh, big thing that, that kind of... Uh, really stands out to me, Brett, from the U.S. Open till now and what he's improved on is it, it doesn't look like a heart rate monitor anymore, right? <laughs> he used to make winners in bunches. He used to make errors in bunches. But if you could hold serve and kind of wait for those peaks and valleys, you would get looks. He would win a set 6-2 and then lose the next one 6-1. It's a little bit tighter. His margins have come in a little bit, and the errors don't come in bunches as often as they used to. Now, that's how you win 20 matches since the start of Wimbledon. That's what Francis has done. Got to a career-high 17 just last Last week. We've got a lot to get to on this Monday night TC Live. We'll have more highlights from both Fort Worth and Dallas, and we will examine just how big a favorite Iga Sviantek is to win these WTA finals and what kind of pressure is on her shoulders as a result. TC Live is presented by SAP, official technology partner of the WTA. Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Back on TC Live, presented by SAP. It's been another step forward for American Brandon Nakashima this year into the top 50. Won his first career title at home in San Diego, and he will be rewarded with a trip to the next-gen finals. The top young players, 21 and under, competing for the crown in Milan. Live coverage beginning Tuesday, November 8th, 8 a.m. Eastern on Tennis Channel and TC+. And that's a perfect segue to this highlight from Paris today because Lorenzo Musetti will be in the field in Milan, 20-year-old Italian, in Paris against Marin Cilic today, Andy. And Musetti's been a different player uh, on, on the indoor circuit, uh, you know, winning matches, finally. I mean, over the last couple of years, the potential's been there on clay, but anything that doesn't get his socks dirty has been a pretty average affair normally for Musetti. And taking out a guy like Marin Silic and really showing that emotion, showing a, a set of confidence that we really haven't seen on fast surfaces, even kind of 
slow hard courts he's struggled on uh, the last couple of years, Brett, but it's been a different guy the last month or so. You really feel like you see this transition game. He's picking the right times to come in, and you really feel like he's building towards the 2023 season with a late run here. Uh, indoors taking full advantage. Never would have thought on a fast surface he beats Marin Cilic indoors. Musetti going through has looked great the last month. Yeah, semifinals in Florence, won the title in Naples, and now off and running in Paris. That's Taylor Townsend. A couple weeks ago, she was in these very studios calling matches. Did you see what she did on the court yesterday? Folks, broadcasting and winning, not mutually exclusive. Back on TC Live and back to Paris for what stood to be the end of a long and admirable career for Gilles Simone, the veteran Frenchman playing in his final event, Andy, and he got Andy Murray. Yeah, tough out here, uh, but Gilles Simone's so smart. Uh, two of the guys who have maybe a couple of the ten uh, highest tennis IQs uh, on planet Earth. Uh, masters of the cat and mouse game, both of these. That's why it's such a fascinating matchup to kind of see uh, them play off each other and adjust to the adjustments and readjustments and kind of the ebb and flow uh, of this thing. Obviously, Murray not going to be too happy serving there for the second set. Jill Simone and True Vincent Storm kind of sneaking it out. There's no human on earth that would have thought to lob that ball from inside the baseline <laughs> off the high back end. But, but such the genius of Jill Simone. I know Murray is not happy, but simultaneously, uh, we could be happy for Jill Simone, an absolute overachiever throughout his career, and I'm glad he gets at least one more moment in front of the Bear Seat crowd. He was 2-16 and 16 against Murray. He gets number three. Meanwhile, American Sebi Korda making back-to-back -back finals in Europe en route to Paris, taking on Demonor, Andy. Yeah, and you would think this would be a pretty good service for, for Sebi Korda, the way that he can kind of create plays and flatten it out uh, through the court. But, uh, I mean, if we know anything about Demon Orr, we know he's going to move. We know he's going to compete. It doesn't get enough credit for how aggressive he can be and how quickly that he can get inside the court. As you see Sebi say, give me some attention, Paris. Uh, <laughs> here in the third, the stick save there. Demon Orr, we know he's one of the fastest guys uh, on tour. Uh, Sebi Porter coming through, getting pumped up here. You can see that confidence kind of showing through. You mentioned the two finals uh, that he's played and trying to get those ranking points up. He probably thought he would be a little bit higher than his current ranking coming into this season. But Demonor is a pro. The guy wins matches every week and outplayed Sebi there at the tail end of that third set. Sebi just two out of 13 on break chances in this match. Demonor trying to make the first Masters 1000 quarterfinal of his career. All right. Spinning it back to Fort Worth for doubles day one. And look, Krachikova and Sinyakova have won just about everything this year. Why don't they win this as well? Yeah, I, mean, they, I would think that they are the clear favorites. you got Desiree Kravchek in the pink skirt, the American lefty, and Demi Shears in the all-black. And Krachikova and Sinyakova, they've been playing together since they were juniors. So they know that's a little bit like the Bryan brothers. They know exactly where each is going to be every single time. They know their strengths, their weaknesses. They play so well together. Defending champions. They've won three majors this year. Kravchek, the one who is serving there. She's won a bunch of mixed doubles titles, but uh, too tough from the Czechs this evening.
They won three of the four majors. They won this title last year going 5-0, and they're off and running with a win on Monday. Here's your SAP tournament summary from Fort Worth so far. Maria Sakari turns the tables on Jesse Pagula after losing to Jesse in the Guadalajara final. Anz Jabur makes her finals debut and narrowly drops a three-setter to Arena Sabalenka. And world number one, Igish Fiontech, will start her run tomorrow against Dasha Kazakina. With that, we take a look at what the social net is doing on this Monday, and we are going to start with Taylor Townsend. If you've been watching Tennis Channel, you know that she's been working here a lot, doing matches by herself on TC Live. She's becoming a broadcasting stalwart, but what did she do yesterday, Tracy? All she did was win the ITF 80K Challenger in Texas. Not bad for a TV girl. Absolutely, and she did not drop a set. And you know what they call that, Brett? They call that the TC Live, the Tennis Channel bump. We saw it with Sloane Stevens. She went on to win the U.S. Open. Is that going to happen with Jeannie Bouchard, where she's going to go on to do big things again? I think it just illustrates, Andy, that when you work here, it, it underscores how much your day job is better than working <laughs> here. I think that's the point. <laughs> but she was motivated to get back out there to, to a real job. But listen, if you don't get along with Taylor Townsend, I think less of you. She is just an absolute <laughs> ray of sunshine. I love Taylor Townsend. I like that she's back. I like that she's winning. I like that she's smiling. And uh, listen, shout out to the working moms out there. Here, here. Way, way to ingratiate yourself to the working moms. That's a, a smart move. Uh, it is Halloween after all, so we went back into the archives and checked social media feeds of both of our <laughs> analysts tonight for their best Halloween costumes. What year is this, and what were you the queen of on this night, Tracy? I am the queen of my street. <laughs> and I'm not sure exactly what Scott is. He takes a lot of things and puts it together and calls it something. Well, I actually zoomed in on Scott's coat and it says that he is Dr. Phil Good. We weren't going to go there, Brett. <laughs> I have good vision. But wait, there's more because this, Andy Roddick, is the 10-year anniversary of this with you and Brooke. Would you like to explain for people who don't remember the Bobbits? Oh, um, my. I don't... I, well, I didn't expect this one to be up on Tennis Channel. Um, but listen, we, we, we've all made mistakes. It wasn't mine. It's just a prop. And here we go. Next he's, next segment, Brett. He's let's, looking let's for it. He's looking for it. Looking for it. That's a gallon freezer Ziploc bag. He's not looking for anything. Nice creativity on the costume, Andy and Brooklyn. I will say, Tracy, very disappointed that... Um, Officer, Officer Naughty did not make an appearance. Well, that's, that, you guys have the picture of it. That's your best costume by far. Here's the uh, scheduling starting with Paris Action, 6 a.m. Eastern Time. Bally Sports Regional Networks and T2 join in at 8 a.m. We'll have coverage from Fort Worth at 4 p.m. And TC Live will wrap up the day just as we're doing today. Back with more in just a moment. Back on TC Live, our hot shot of the day comes courtesy of Alejandro Davidovich Fokina. And he didn't win the match, but he got this. It just because he kind of took a bad hop there. Oh, jumps, fakes, slides, and then hits a winner, Brett. All in a day's work for this guy. He, he's kind of a regular on the hop. I don't know what that, like, bluff hop was. Uh, 
but this was a pretty good shot. You know, not the best hot shot we've ever seen, giving credit for a mistimed jump, but a good shot nonetheless. Brett. <laughs> when there are only a handful of matches, we have to, you know, look carefully for our hot shot. Here are your feature matches for Tuesday around the globe, starting with the Paris men. Big John Isner leading things off. Djokovic seeks his seventh title in Paris. And, of course, we wrap with the day two matches in Fort Worth, featuring Iga Swiatek and Coco Goff. With more on the Paris side of tomorrow's action, we check in with our team on the scene, Danny Kluffinger and Prakash Amitraj. Okay, Brett P., the young French-American, Maxime Cressy, had a brilliant win on Monday. Now it's to turn around and play the defending champion, Novak Djokovic. Does he have a shot? Djokovic has won his last couple times here, a couple years ago and last year. Six-time champ here. I wouldn't really back anyone against him, but... If you are going up against him, it's nice to be able to have a serve that you can serve lights out with. Certainly what he's going to need to do, really serve well and not give the big guy a sniff. Looking forward to an exciting Tuesday of action here in Paris. Well, uh, apparently now we know what you're the queen of. You're the queen of this place <laughs> among your many other fiefdoms. I forgot my crown and my, is it a scepter? Are you going to address a party after this? And I want to see Andy's old costume also. No, I'm not going to see that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry. Yeah, I, I think that, that that's about as likely as me me coming back and playing tennis. Now that's that, that's gone. <laughs> okay. What do you want to share? What your kids went out as tonight? We had a little uh, last second switch up. Uh, Stevie went from Elsa to Wonder Woman, which caused a, a little thing in the house for oh a little bit. Gosh, and yeah. Hank, Hank, Hank was the Grim Reaper for the second year in a row. He really, <laughs> he really liked, he really likes the Reaper. <laughs> That's good. Bringing joy throughout the neighborhood. Hank Roddick, the Grim Reaper. The Queen has laughed at that. Uh, quick look ahead to one match in Fort Worth tomorrow. We want to pinpoint the Sviantec Kazakina match. Tracy, uh, Your Majesty, I beg your pardon. They've met four times this year. They've all been one way traffic for Iga. Do you expect the same tomorrow or something different? You know, I do. I, I think Iga's coming into these WTA finals before you mentioned pressure. I think pressure is self-imposed. You can either think of being number one in the world, winning eight titles, winning two majors as everybody thinks of you as a target, or you can think of, I'm confident. You know, I feel like whatever match I'm in, whatever predicament I'm in, I can work my way through and, and manage it. And that's where I think... Uh, Sviantec is right now. Where do you think Sviantec is, Andy? I mean, she's the prohibitive favorite to win the title. She's won eight of them already this year. She's been number one since Barty retired. Is, is she equipped for that pressure, or is it still so new for her that it's an adjustment? No, I, I don't. I mean, I, I think she, you know, I, she's pretty been pretty outspoken. I think she puts a lot of pressure on herself and kind of accepts the uh, opportunity to become great. Um, obviously, the, 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 the season she's had this year has, has been uh, amazing, uh, specifically to the matchup with, with Kazakina. I just think when Sviatek has time, she smothers her opponent. And while Kazakina kind of throwing in the loops and the slices and kind of mixing up paces works well against most people and creates a bit of a matchup problem, I don't see that being the case against Iga Sviatek. When she has time, she absolutely smothers her opponents. And I, I don't know why we wouldn't see more of the same 
uh, here in Fort Worth this week. All right. Well, we'll find out tomorrow. You can join us for coverage of the Fort Worth WTA Finals Day 2 at 4 p.m. Eastern. Oh, Jess, our stage yes. manager is here. Oh, spooky. Oh, she just spooky. is stealing. Oh, you're serving. Thank you. I'll take a Kit Kat. Uh, Her Majesty can take whatever she wants for Andy Roddick, for Tracy Austin, for our entire crew in both Fort Worth and Paris and here in L.A. Congrats to Maria Sakari, a winner on this Monday. And likewise, Arena Sabalenka, day two from Fort Worth tomorrow. See ya.